Hi, Insiders! We're back with a new episode all about Pixar Animation Studios Deck Days. You know Doug is our favorite talking dog from Up, and now you can see him in a new series of shorts on Disney+. Voiced by Bob Peterson, Deck Days follows Doug as he navigates life in his new backyard. There are so many new sights and smells for him to explore, it's guaranteed that every day will be a new adventure. Who could forget the greeting from Doug when he first meets Carl and Russell in Up? I have just met you, and I love you. What a way to begin his journey, and the feelings have been mutual for fans of this iconic character ever since. I also love that everyone is along for these all-new adventures. Carl, Russell, and of course, Doug's nemesis, a squirrel. What a way to end the season with the Doug Days of Summer. Let's get right to it and welcome Doug Days writer and director, Bob Peterson. Hi, Bob. Hi, thanks for having me. This is great. Very thrilled to talk to you today. So let's begin with where you're from and how you got your start in animation and voiceover. Well, uh, I'm actually originally from Ohio, but then I grew up in uh, the New York City area, came back to the Midwest for college, studied engineering, but also computer graphics. And so I started on the technical side of things, um, didn't didn't study for voice work or anything like that. But then I came west and, and found my way to Pixar, started uh, more on a technical side than, and, and as an animator, and then on Bugs Life, <clears throat> I met a fellow named Joe Raft, who was the voice of Heimlich. And uh, he kind of mentored me doing voices. And so I ended up doing Jerry from Jerry's Game. And I did uh, Roz from Monsters, Inc. And then I did uh, Mr. Ray and then Doug. And um, But at the same time, I was a writer and, and a story artist and director. So this is just sort of the icing on the cake fun part of it for me. So it's kind of circling back. You got your start, you said, on the technical side. Do you no. remember kind of where your love of this all began? You said you were born in Ohio, shifted over, you moved to New York. We're all Disney fans here. Did you have like a favorite Disney memory growing up where you had a favorite movie and that kind of launched your excitement for this career? Oh, man, I can almost exactly trace my Disney uh, fandom lineage. Um, when I was four or five, I went to see Mary Poppins at Radio City Music Hall, big theater in New York City. And on the way, there was a big, there was a big windstorm, rainstorm, and my umbrella blew out, ironically. And then I went to see Mary Poppins, and everyone's flying in on umbrellas. It was a nice umbrella, too. I, was, I started to cry and all that. But oh. Mary Poppins was my first exposure to Disney, and I just loved that movie. And then when I was six or seven, I saw The Jungle Book, and that was my first animated um, Disney movie mm. experience. And... That did it for me. I had the lunchbox. I had the uh, color forms. I had everything for the Jungle Book. And Baloo was amazing. And just the whole movie for a six-year-old was amazing. And then you cut to when I was 10, we went to Disney World. And um, when it, and it just had opened. And I got to see um, the Tiki Room. And when the room came to life, especially those pillars of faces, when they came to life, it's like, okay. This is it. Uh, you know, this this Disney, whoever this person is, is amazing. And maybe someday I'll work for them. So it sounds like it ran the gamut, right? Like you said, Mary Poppins, that's live action, then Jungle Book animation. Now you're immersed into the world where you can experience it at the park. What was that transition like, though, where your first memorable experience is a live action film? What made you so fascinated with animation to pursue it and then head on over to Pixar? Well, it was, it was colorful and amazing and, um, you know, it just could, could conjure up all sorts of different kind of worlds. And so I think 
Um, I studied engineering, but then worked on computer graphics as well as I built an animatronic head when I was a senior uh, at Ohio Northern University. That was my senior project. So I always had this sort of Disney bent to it, and I drew cartoons, and so I knew I wanted to find my way over there. So I moved to L.A., and I got a picture taken out in front of Disney. (laughs) Someday I'm going to get there. I sent in my portfolio. didn't make it in. But then I found a way into Pixar as a, a third string animator. Mm-hmm. And um, so I always, I always knew animation was for me, and especially computer animation, because it's a mix of science and art, which I was mm-hmm. interested in both being a cartoonist and uh, an engineer who did a lot of programming and stuff like that. And I can't easily bypass that you, again, your senior project built an animatronic. How cool is that? I, know, and I presented it, and the whole time I had, I had not grounded it, and it was shocking me every time I moved the head or the mouth. I got the shock, but I but it kept going, and you know, I it made it look like me. It had a mustache and all that stuff, and and uh, very narcissistic uh, animatronic. But meanwhile, other people were doing true engineering. I was sort of bending my way toward uh, the art side and Disney. Sounds like it was the perfect intersection to go and work for Pixar with your interest on the technical side and then animation. So what's that like when you first start at Pixar, those first roles that you hold, like you held there, the first roles that you held there, and then now all the different jobs that you've had at Pixar. Can you talk to us a little bit about that journey where it began to kind of where you are now? Yeah, I started in shorts uh, doing uh, commercials. Uh, Darla Anderson was the lead of that. And um, I came in as a third string animator on a serial commercial animating uh, flakes and nuts. And so, you know, jumping out of a box. And so I, I called back to my family in Ohio and saying, hey, I'm out in California working with flakes and nuts. They're like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> um, but uh and then this, it progressed. I, I worked with great people, Joe Ramft and Andrew Stanton and, and John Lasseter and Pete Doctor. And, um, and I pitched them some, some ideas for commercials that caught their ear. And so they brought me into the store department on Bugs Life. Mm-hmm. And I drew a picture for Joe Ramft that made him laugh. And he took me under his wing. And he's one of the best story artists ever. Uh, not with us anymore, unfortunately. But mm-hmm. he taught me how to do it. And it's, it's uh, a bit of a science. You know, you want to have one drawing change at a time. You want to make sure the eye is directed to a place on the screen. And story storyboarding is the first sort of line of defense of a movie. You're, you're creating mm. a cutting pattern. You're creating composition, creating uh, an, an, uh, performance. Even though it's just drawn, it is so important to lay down, is the humor working? Is the pacing working? All of that. And so I was very lucky to do that with him. And then graduated mm. on to uh, Monsters, Inc. as uh, lead story guy and then went on from there. But uh, in the meantime, uh, got to do some voices along the way. Story artist to story supervisor. How would you describe how you went from each role to the next? Well, I mean, I'm not sure I was ever ready to go to the next role. I mean, um, going on to the story supervisor of Monsters, Inc., you know, I'd never done it before. And I hadn't really been working as a story artist for very long. And so there was a... Uh, a learning curve and and you are uh working as a manager as well as a as an artist and so that Mm. that was my learning curve um and then on finding nemo moving on uh into the writer's chair 
uh, with Andrew Stanton. That was a new thing too. And luckily my cartoon strip all goes back to the cartoon strip back in college. I was able to draw a quantity, a large amount of drawing so that my drawings kind of became appealing to my eye and then write every day. So that helped with the writing on Nemo and then anything else that I worked on. Uh, But it was always fear stepping into something new and then um, learning a bit more about the nuances from great people. Like on Finding Nemo, I worked closely with Andrew Stanton and learned from him. He's a great story mind, story structure. And I was more entertainment and things like that. So, you know, I always learned from these people that I went along. Pete Doctor, I learned so much from. And it just goes on and on. So I feel very lucky that I was paired with super nice and Mm. very intelligent people. Just your journey. And then, yeah, the Pixar family that you were amongst as you're taking each of these steps in your career. That's really, really cool. From bugs to monsters to fish. And then, of course, (laughs) up. Do you have a favorite memory working on Up? I got to ask you. Favorite memory on Up? They're all my favorite. I mean, they it was just such a great show to work on. Uh, I think when we came upon the idea of using a senior citizen as the main character, we looked at each other like, should we? This is amazing. Should we do it? You know, it's never been really done, you know, where the main character is a senior. And then we realized what a great character because old people have lived through all mm-hmm. sorts of good times, bad times, and so there's a wisdom there. And there's uh, an old person, which I am now one of, uh, <laughs> has sort of earned the right to say whatever they feel like. And so there's a com- comedic quality, but there's also sort of a dramatic depth to old people. And uh, that was exciting. Sending an old person on an action-adventure <laughs> just had it built and then ed asner signs on oh man so great oh my gosh that's an adventure in and of itself right there so talk to us how did you come to voice doug in the film up and then also where did his inspiration like where the inspiration for this character and for his voice that whole journey of yours well we actually had a, a previous movie that pete doctor and i uh pitched and in it was a talking dog who talked for a different reason and so uh when it came time to to craft Carl and Ellie's story we thought it would be a very cool thing to have a a talking dog that something that Ellie would have loved to have seen Mm. on this journey and so we included it and so I sat down to write Doug and I just thought about my own dogs how I talk to my dogs you're a good dog (laughs) I love you my dog and uh and that seemed to play pretty well you know Doug we just wanted Doug to be like our dogs, like Pete's mm. dog, my dog, the people on the crew, Ronnie Del Carmen, all of these dogs we've had, they're noble, they're loving, they're, you know, they walk up to you and shake, wag their tail. I love you. <laughs> I have just met you and I love you. I mean, that is so great. Dogs are the best. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the, the, the writing came from. And, um, and then, you know, I just did the scratch voice, stood up, and, and that's what came out. And we mm. all ended up kind of liking it and thought it was seemed to fit the character really well. And so we, we kept it. But um, Doug the Dog is absolutely my favorite character that I've voiced. And uh, just because we love our dogs and they bring so much mm. to us. 
and we were also excited. We were excited about having an old guy, but we're also <laughs> excited about having a dog that had a collar that could really sort of show us what a dog is thinking, not just mm-hmm. what a person would say as a dog, but what a dog might say. And so mm-hmm. what, what kind of joke would a dog say? That kind of thing. It all kind of <laughs> came out of that. You know, and there's a little bit of wolf inside every dog. So, you know, Doug wanting to get the squirrel dead, you know, there's just a little bit of that wildness still left, you know. And uh, most dogs will bark, run after a squirrel. If they ever caught one, they wouldn't know what to do with it, you know. But uh, uh, there was a wealth of things that we drew from for Doug. And it sounds like you had such a you have such a love for dogs. I imagine there's constant inspiration coming in. Like as you're walking down the street, do you even find yourself sometimes kind of creating a narrative for the dogs or something that you pass by? You know, when I see a dog, I'm like, oh, a dog. I want to pet. Can I pet your dog? You know, (laughs) and I just I love it when dogs will come up and you give them a little pet and then they go on their way, you know. And Mm. uh, I was with a gathering last night where the dog loved certain people. And then I tried to get it over to me and it didn't love me until I gave it some food and then all of a sudden I was its best friend the rest of the night (laughs) that's a dog give me some food I love you (laughs) oh my gosh the best addition to the story of up and oh my goodness we are so excited for Doug days to have the story continue on because he really is he's an iconic character now in this world so talk to us about where does Doug days pick up in the life of Doug well, Doug Days picks up immediately after Up ends. So you've got Carl, Russell, and Doug sitting at the ice cream store uh, eating ice cream. Mm-hmm. And immediately after that, Carl and Doug go find a house in suburbia. And so we pick up mostly um, their their next phase. It kind of happens after Up, but before the credits in Up. So you see like mm. Doug with a bunch of puppies that look like him. It's before <laughs> that. And, uh, and we find out that Russell um, moves in next door uh, to them. And uh, that's a little bit later on in the series. So Russell does make an appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I just wanted to see Doug grappling with suburbia, <clears throat> the, the fun, the, the terror of, of this new world because he grew up kind of sheltered out on that, that mountain with the other pack. And so this is now his real experience with you know the life that we know i also wanted to see carl go on to his next step mm-hmm. you know ellie wanted him to go have a new adventure mm-hmm. and so i wanted to see that new adventure and so but basically it's carl and doug taking care of each other that's that's the main thing um uh, and uh doug is so good uh with carl and and it's also analyzing a dog's life in different facets. Each short has a different facet. One is about territoriality, you know, a dog mm-hmm. protecting things. Another might be a dog's fears. Another is a dog's super senses when it can smell things that we can't. So each of these shorts sort of has its own um, facet of what a dog is. And I just love that not only did you personally give your voice to this character, now we're going to be able to hear... Doug in suburbia, not just out far away, but what it's going to be like in a backyard. (laughs) I'm so excited. I wanted to keep it limited. I didn't want to make it just kinetic running all over the place. I wanted to Mm -hmm. keep it limited so that the character came out. 
Doug's mm-hmm. character, how he reacts. So we can concentrate on that versus lots of movement. And there's there is movement in here, but it's you know, <laughs> in his backyard, his backyard becomes his whole world and and what is that like? I'm so excited that Doug Days is out and that people are experiencing not just Carl Russell, but of course Doug. Bob, thank you so much for talking with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for everything. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I am so excited for our next guest who is here to play the Insider Five. He's furry, a loyal friend, and just so happens to be our first guest, who is a talking dog. Doug, welcome. I have just met you, and I love you. (laughs) I couldn't have asked for anything else, Doug. Thank you so much. How have you been, though? Talk to us. How are things at your new house and in the yard? I love my yard. My yard is my yard. I am in my yard, and I play in my yard. I love it. And there are squirrels, and there are birds, and uh, it is my yard. (laughs) What a wonderful kingdom. You rule back there. Oh, my goodness. And, of course, birds. Squirrels, too. Squirrel! (laughs) So we hear you're a Disney fan. Are you ready to take on the Insider Five? I have no idea what this is. We're off to a great start. I'm all for a new adventure. Let's begin here, Doug, and see how you do. First up... What is your earliest memory of being a Disney movie fan? I, I when, when the movie is on in my house, I sit and I look at Carl. I don't know what he is watching, but I sit and look at him. A true, true magical experience, it sounds like. Here we are, on to the next. You're invited to a Disney-themed costume party. Who or what do you dress as? When there's a party, I look for food on the ground. Wow, that is actually a good thing to know for myself for the future, okay? It's Disney karaoke night. What song do you sing? When there is a song, I howl. I go, and I bark sometimes. I like to sing. So multi-talented there, Doug. I absolutely love, I love that. Beautiful songs. Okay, next up. If you could only ride one ride all day at a Disney park, which would it be? Park? There's a park? I want to go to the park. I will chase the ball at the park. We're going to have to talk to Carl about that very clearly. (laughs) Okay, next up. This is your last one, Doug. Here it is. Which Disney character has the best life advice and what is it? I do not know what a Disney character is, but all I know is when you walk up to people, you wag your tail and say that you love them. That's what I do, and I think many people humans and dogs should do that. Doug, that was all we needed for our life from now until forever. Oh my goodness. What a gift that was. Thank you so much for joining us today and taking on the Insider Five. You know what? We hope the rest of your day is filled with belly rubs and treats. I think you know what those are. Oh, thank you. It was nice meeting you. Thanks so much, Doug. Bye. That's our show. Thank you for joining us. Doug Days is now streaming on Disney Plus. So you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Subscribe and follow Disney Movie Insiders Presents. And while you're there, we'd love if you gave us a rating and review. And lastly, visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com or our app and enter bonus code BACKYARD. The code expires October 31st, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific Time. Membership is required. Limit one redemption per account. Visit DisneyMovieInsiders.com for terms and conditions. We'll catch you next time, Insiders, with more Disney Movie Magic.